The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Well, I saw a car the other day. This made me turn my head. A little tiny SUV Cadillac, the bumper red. You see a caddy. Should be big and wide And roomy as you please You can almost live inside The need for your squeeze That ain't no Cadillac Don't try to fool me Oh, 
Everybody, this is the Tom Sumner program. I, my guest this hour uh, taught modern literature and fiction writing as professor at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. He uh, grew up in New York City. He's written several books, uh, many books actually, both novels and short stories. His newest book, however, is probably a little closer to home, and uh, it's a gifted storyteller's journey with Parkinson's and other challenges of a long life. The book is called Parkinson's Blues by John J. Clayton, and John joins me by phone. John, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, what made you decide to write this book? It, it is kind of, kind of close and kind of personal, isn't it? It is. Uh, I think if my mother was still here in the world, uh, it would have been very difficult to say a lot of the things I've said, although it's, she she comes off 
pretty sounding pretty good. Um, the book took me. I didn't say I want to write a memoir about Parkinson's and what's happening to me about Parkinson's. The book simply took me over. And uh, uh, I want to say right now that I'm not offering any advice about Parkinson's or any neurological condition. Uh, it's really a spiritual book, a book about what we face in life when we don't expect it and how to, how to cope. And it also relates my childhood and my mother especially to, uh, to my existing Parkinson's. Well, it's like you, it's like you said in, uh, I think in the press release, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Yes, this came from a Monty Python routine. <laughs> I love I love that skit. I, I love that skit too. Um, Monty Python routine where they're sitting around in the living room, and somebody's asking and uh, question, 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 and the other person in the room says, "God, this is what is this, the Spanish Inquisition?" I didn't expect the Spanish Inquisition, and suddenly Michael Palin bursts open the door with two other uh, Monty Python members on both sides. He charges into the room and he says, Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. And nobody expects. And and they're all in in, uh, uh, robes. That's right. Red... Sixteenth uh, century uh, Spanish Inquisition uh, customs. Yeah, it's it, uh, it, that's a funny bit, but but I'm, I'm curious when you started writing this book, and you said the book kind of kind of took you, and uh, and in some ways wrote itself. But what gave you the idea or the inspiration to frame fourteen different stories of of people basically um, being surprised by the Spanish Inquisition or, or some other unexpected right, right. thing. Right. Uh, it went paragraph by paragraph. And I, 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 a new form started to come to me. Um, it's a, a very free form. A digressive form, so that I would, I would start to find. I'm talking about my father, or I'm talking about my uncle, or I'm I'm talking about uh, my sickness, and that it, it 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 isn't like I decide to do that. It's that it just came to me, paragraph by paragraph, in the book. So it's sort uh, of it was the fact, yes. Now, when you talk about, you know, sort of free form and so on, that's the professor in you talking. But is the um, is is the book sort of written from a stream of conscience consciousness? Uh, no, it's. I mean, in any one section of the book, it's um, it's clear. It it it's um, it's a story, or uh, and sometimes funny story. And uh, uh, and sometimes it's a contemplation, but it's not a stream of consciousness. 
Now we've t- we talked a little bit about Monty Python and the um, uh, Spanish Inquisition skit, um, but one of the things about this book is that the humor is is very much a part of it, very present in the book. Um, how important is humor in coping with some of the tough things that life throws our way? Oh, my, 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 without it, you'd be a goner. Uh, yeah, in fact, I'd say that this is often a funny book. And, um, and, um, uh, 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 let me, let me read you a little bit. Yeah, please. Have you ever seen a three-legged dog walking free or on a leash, trotting sprightly on three legs, maybe one leg lost to a truck? While the surgery's healing, he may whine for pain, kept from licking at the wound by an uncomfortable lampshade collar. But once the wound heals and the collar's off, he adjusts to the new condition as if there's no loss. Hey, it's the way I am. Does he miss the leg? It doesn't seem so. A dog will mourn for a lost master or for the loss of another dog in the same household, but not for a lost leg. He doesn't seem to experience the contrast between now and before. Let me become, dear God, like a three-legged dog. I guess that's not funny. Uh, No, but it's very poignant. Yeah, it it is. uh, A lot of this book is addressed to my beautiful wife. Uh, A lot of this is addressed to God. Uh, and um, it's a strange condition. Other people have a very different form of Parkinson's. Mine is exhaustion um, more than anything else. Um, It's not, and my head gets muddy. Even as we talk right now, Tom, I can feel the muddiness. Um, it, it isn't. Um, it, it, I, w- I used to be a, um, a clever person. I'm not clever anymore. And in a way, I'm truer to my deeper self than I used to be. We'll have more with author John Clayton straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters.
Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have pepsodent flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. The Tom Summer Program.com. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. We'll have more with author John Clayton straight ahead. You liken Parkinson's, which, which you have, to cancer or stroke or loss of a child as... Um, these things you don't expect. Yeah, as a big, terrible surprise. Yeah, exactly. And it and it creates a life we didn't expect. And I'm I'm in a way I'm in this whole book I'm looking for that life, um, for a, a, that 
not to just become a victim, but to but to ride it, to live it, to live the life that's given to me. And um, is it possible uh, for us to become a, a three-legged dog and and just accept what uh, what life has laid out for us? Uh, I I think so, but it's certainly not something that I'm capable of doing all the time. Uh, I'm not a hero. I'm not a... I'm... um, I'm I'm not a a guru. I'm just a a person who sometimes can just get up in the morning and say, this is who I am. Struggle to get to the John and... but I'm... But I'm, I'm doing it. It's okay. And my my wife is there next to me in bed, and and I have all, and my children, are, and my grandchildren are are, are near, and um, and I and I should be grateful, and I am grateful for those things. John, I get the impression that um, that a lot of the writing that you've done have been intellectual exercises. How was this? No, they've always, they've always been emotional. Really? My fiction. My fiction has always been emotional. I've also written uh, critical books, books about, about um, um, modern writers, and books about Saul Bellow, for example. Really, I I don't know what gave me that impression, John. And and the question I was going to ask is how writing how writing this book was different than the other books that you've written. Partly because I'm I'm talking to myself more directly than I've ever done before. Uh, I suddenly stop and say, "But that's ridiculous. What are you What are you making a?" A big deal out of that for, or and, and, and then I'll just <laughs> go off in a totally new direction, something like that. And and so, how did this? How how did your Parkinson's first manifest itself? I went to a doctor's office, and we were talking about something completely different. Uh, <laughs> Which is a multi Yeah, I was uh, going to say, and now for something completely different. <laughs> right. So I went to her, her office, and as I was leaving, she said, Oh, by the way, your face is frozen. Uh, I think you may have Parkinson's. <laughs> I was completely shocked. And then I would think. I went to, I went to uh, uh, other, specifically Parkinson's doctors, and discovered yes, indeed, and then um, my throat is getting closed up. Um, my uh, voice is—I'm losing my voice. Um, um, my writing is scrawled like a two-year-old, and well, like a six-year-old, and uh, getting tinier and tiger, tinier. My, uh, micro I think it's called micro. Micrographia, um, and you know, and, and 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 I'm exhausted. Instead of being able to get up and charge to my desk and and get to work, 
I'm, I find myself uh, slogging away um, and having a difficult time. But a lot of this book is you know, not about Parkinson's at all. I have a wonderful story about my uncle who um, uh, was uh, my uncle uh, when he was uh, a young man and uh, stories about my my father and my my father bringing me to um, a boxing match once and the blood squirting out on me and, and my father getting mad at me for being so pusillanimous. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting and funny stories in this book that have little to do with Parkinson's. Uh, but what they do is they give you an experience um, that you could bring with you into Parkinson's. Do they? Whatever. Do they? I was so, I was going to say as you were saying whatever, John. Um, do these are these stories just accounts of of events throughout your life and with people in your life, or are you trying to study how other people have um, reacted to and dealt with big life changes? Yes, exactly that, and. Um, how um, my my mother, who was disappointed with her life, and then learned to accept, uh, is a model for myself. Um, so they're not just stories, but they, they they relate to each other and to the Parkinson's. But Parkinson's isn't the only thing in the. In the, uh, yeah, what are, what are some of the other uh, life surprises that, that you write about in this book? Oh, that's good. Good question. You're, you're, really, a, you're really doing wonderfully, by the way, Tom. Well, thank you, talking, John. I appreciate that. Talking to me, is, it's not easy when to, to, um, to inter- interview me about a book that's so strange. Um, I, I I write in one place, Parkinson's is an excellent teacher. You thought you were special? Think again. <laughs> For the Parkinson's, when I'd see those who are manifestly imperfect, the crippled, the addicted, the mad, I kept them at a distance. Thank God I'm not like him. Thank God I'm not like her. I felt pity. I felt distaste. Walking on a downtown street past damaged people, broken people, I'd wince. Fool, I say to myself now, to act as if only the lame or blind or schizophrenic were broken. All of us, all of us are broken. We pass one another in the aisle of a supermarket. We sit together in a doctor's waiting room or in a synagogue or in a church, passing on a downtown sidewalk by a young man in torn jeans, talking to himself, shaking his head. I said the appropriate blessing. Blessed are you, Lord our God, who makes creatures so various. Did I believe in the blessing, or did I say the words to keep my own brokenness at bay? You see how in in, um, 
in telling uh, about people wanting to be special and getting past that. Um, There's a lot of real I'm, honesty I'm, in in these uh, um, observations that you make and that you talk about your reactions to other people. Have you always written that honest, John, or was there something about Parkinson's and, and your purpose with this book that caused you to consciously make the decision to be even more revealing and more honest? I, 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 it, it is more honest than any book I've written. I've written 10 novels and collections of short stories, and I've, I think none of them have been as simple and as and honest as this book. Um, even though this is, is the most, yes, it's the most simple of the books. I was thinking as you were talking about, you know, your reaction to, to people with um, disabilities and, and, you know, sort of avoiding them and um, feeling sorry wanting for them. Yeah. Wanting to be, you know, there's no flies on, there's flies on me, there's no flies on Jesus. You know, you know the uh, that old. Um, well, thing. almost patting yourself on the back for not having those problems, and <laughs> you know, it's it, when you when you were saying that, I, I was thinking of you know the lessons of my parents, you know, to um, not stare and um, you know to to be very tolerant and at the same time very appreciative that i'm not like that and yeah it's it's um and those are difficult things to talk about john and and i commend you for digging deep in this book but i'm also fascinated about what some of the other uh serious life surprises are that you that you cover in these 14 stories well for example, my my son uh, died of cancer in uh, in in two thousand, mm. uh, and and which is a, a, a shocking blow with no 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 expectation of his being even sick um, and, until it happens. Uh, I talk about at some point in the book, the dark unexpected and and uh, the loss of a child is the most awful of those. Um, that is a horrendous thing that I can't even imagine, John. Yeah. How do you how do you manage to ever find humor again? That's that's such a good question. I I, I find it difficult to, to put into words. I, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, John. I'm no, I'm just honestly curious that you know when you have something that horrendous happen, you know, at some point you have to be able to laugh again. And I and I'm just curious if there's any kind of a roadmap to that. Oh, well, there is there is in the sense that. Uh, I pray every day, and and but I also I, I moan, I groan, 
present the loss of my son, although it was 20 years ago that he died. Um, I'm looking right now, I'm trying to find um, a, one of the stories is about the loss of my son, Josh. Uh, where is that? Here it is. But this doesn't answer your question. That uh, is, that that my story about Josh how it explains how I deal with with the loss of my child. But um, but uh, it doesn't say how I found humor again. I mean, it helps watching Monty Python. It does. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the dead parrot sketch myself. Oh, this parrot isn't dead. He's just sleeping. <laughs> He's pining. <laughs> He's pining. <laughs> and, and I like when, uh, after uh, John Cleese goes through his rant and he ends it with saying, this is an ex-parrot. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. My uh my my son is now thirty. Uh my uh, uh one of my living children. Um uh, uh he loved my Python and and um he he learned the, the skits by heart. He the uh skits in the movies and in the uh, original show, well, well, he's he's probably one of those strange people like like me and a few of my friends who can recite almost all of uh, Monty Python's "The Holy Grail." Yes, he can too. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, the book is uh, is called Parkinson's Blues. How did you come up with that title? Well, you, it's blues because you can't you can't get out of it. It's sad, but it, it it's the blues. Um, but um, and I, I thought after I made gave it that title that I was thinking about maybe about uh, uh, James Baldwin's short story Sonny's Blues which is a very great short story. And um, and the blues in Baldwin uh, is a way of dealing with tragedy and, and loss and pain, uh, but it's also a victory. Uh, I think I wanted all those feelings in that title. Well, it ties right in with what B.B. King said about the blues. He said... The blues isn't about feeling bad, it's about feeling better. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's f coming right from, you know, uh, uh, an from iconic blues, blues from, man. That's right. That's right. Um, I have a, uh, I'm just thinking about funny stories. I have a story about my uncle, um, being asked to spend the weekend with Polly Adler, 
uh, and this happened, uh, Polly Adler was the most famous madam of a brothel in New York in the 1930s, 1920s, 30s. (laughs) I like this story uh, already, John. Yeah, and uh, he became much too afraid to go through with it, so he, because (laughs) she was, well, uh, but uh, but I, I I I rewrite the story for the way it should have gone, um, and imagining how it could have been uh, uh, so much better for him could have changed his life. Uh, he became a, a sourpuss millionaire. <laughs> uh, <laughs> instead. Why? Why is it the millionaires all seem to be sour pusses? <laughs> <laughs> I guess now you have to say billionaire, right? Yeah. Well, that, yeah. That's that billion is the new million. Um, the book um, Parkinson's Blues, John. Um, what is it that you're hoping people who read it will get out of it? That this isn't about Parkinson's. It's about everybody's experience of life itself, which is always going to have that sense of defeat and and brokenness. Uh, we're all in that situation. It's not just a separate condition of Parkinson's. It's a condition of of life itself. And I, I guess I want that. I want not to be thinking of this as a as a, a book about how do I cope with Parkinson's. Uh, it's it's how do I cope with life because it's going to get you. Um, no way it's not. John, and I, and I, I mean I'll do respect when I ask this question this way, but is this book a swan song or do you have some more writing? Uh, well, in the works? That's a good question. My, my wife keeps saying, <laughs> you, can, you can keep going. I'm 85 going on 86. And uh, um, I, I, I'm, I'm, going, I'm looking around for what else I could do. Um, but because it feels so strange not to be writing. And I know that if I do write again, it will be in the in in the, the self-reflective um, free form that I have in this book. Well, John, I um, I really appreciate you spending this time with me and and sharing your story, uh, both with me and in the book. Um, John, let me. I, I always give guests an opportunity to um, share with listeners where they can find out more. Obviously, uh, reading the book is uh, is the ultimate goal here. Um, the book is called Parkinson's Blues by John J. Clayton. I'm sure it's available where all fine books are sold. But John, do you have a a, a website or something that would link people to some of your other work and uh, to keep track in case we uh, well, do see some new stuff? Well, johnjclayton.org. Perfect. Uh-huh. 
John, thank uh, you for spending this time with me. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for talking to me so long. It's really, I hope it wasn't too much of an ordeal. I, I didn't think it was at all. In fact, as far as I'm concerned, anybody that likes Monty Python can't be all bad. <laughs> Take care, John. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Fascinating uh, man and an interesting book. It's called uh, Parkinson's Blues. It's written by John J. Clayton, who... Um, I just want to run down some of this background because it's just it's kind of interesting. Um, he grew up in New York City, received his B.A. at Columbia, an M.A. at NYU, and a Ph.D. at Indiana. For much of his career, he taught modern literature and fiction writing as professor at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. And as he mentioned in the interview, he has written uh, two books of literary criticism, Saul Bellow in Defense of Man and Gestures of Healing, a Psychological Study of the Modern Novel. Um, And uh, also, um, he's written uh, nine volumes of fiction, both novels and short stories. Anyway, his new book is uh, called Parkinson's Blues. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, 
Visit cdc.gov. They say singing can help you remember things. So here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Number one. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Two. Virtual play dates. Social and physical distancing can help save lives. Three. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and Start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all-night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Hello, I would like to 
fish license, please. A what? A license for my pet fish, Eric. How did you know my name was Eric? No, 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 my fish's name is Eric. Eric Fish. He's an elephant. What? He is an halibut. You've got a pet halibut? Yes, I chose him out of thousands. And like the others, they were all too flat. You must be a loony. I am not a loony. Why should I be tired with the epithet loony merely because I have a pet element? I've heard tell that Sir Gerald Nabardo has a pet prawn called Simon. You wouldn't call him a loony. Furthermore, Dawn Pale thought the lady show jumper had a clam called Stafford after the late Chancellor. Alan Bullock has two pikes, both called Chris, and Marcel Proust and an Alec. So if you're calling the author of Our La Recherche to Tom Pierre a Looney, I shall have to ask you to step outside. All right, all right, all right. A licence? Yes. For a fish? Yes. You are a Looney. Look, it's a bleeding pet, isn't it? I got a license for me pet dog, Eric. I got a, got a, got a license for me pet cat, Eric. You don't need a license for your cat. I bleeding well doing, I got one. Can't be called out, though. There is no such thing as a bloody cat license. Yes, there is. No, there isn't. Is. Isn't. I bleeding got one. Look. What's that, then? This is a dog license with the word dog crossed out and cat written in in crayon. Man didn't have the right form. What man? The man from the cat detector van. The loony detector van, you mean. Look, it's people like you what cause unrest. What cat detector van? The cat detector van from the Ministry of Housing. Housing? It was spelt like that on the van. I'm very observant. I've never seen so many bleeding aerials. The man said their equipment could pinpoint a purr at 400 yards, and Eric, being such a happy cat, was a piece of cake. How much did you pay for this? Uh, 60 quid and eight for the fruit bat. What fruit bat? Eric the fruit bat. Oh, your pet's called Eric. There's nothing so odd about that. Kemal Ataturk had an entire menagerie called Abdo. No, he didn't. Did. Didn't. Did, 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 didn't, did. Oh, right. Spoken like a gentleman, sir. Now, are you going to give me a fish license? I promise you that there is no such thing. You don't need one. In that case, give me a bee license. A license for your pet bee? Correct. Called Eric. Eric the bee? Nope. No? No. Eric the off bee. You had an accident. You're off your chum. Look, if you intend by that utilisation of an obscure colloquialism to imply that my sanity is not up to scratch, or indeed to deny the semi-existence of my little chum, Eric the Arf B, I shall have to ask you to listen to this. Take it away, Eric the orchestra leader. I want two. I want two, three, four. Half a bee... Philosophically, must ipso facto half not be. But half the bee has got to be a vis-a-vis its entity. Do you see? But can a bee be said to be or not to be an entire bee when half the bee is not a bee due to some ancient injury? Singing. A la a one, two, three... Eric the half a B A B C D E F G Eric the half a B Is this a wretched enemy me? Half asleep upon my knee Some freak from a menagerie No, it's Eric the half a B A fiddly-dum, a fiddly-dee Eric the half a bee Ho, ho, ho Tee-hee-hee Eric the half a bee I love
life employee by fixed accidentally one summer afternoon by me I loved him carnally He loves him carnally semi-carnally the end this was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
remember when the day is done and your tired mind says that the race is run. Your people tell you something that you know deep down is true. Oh yeah, when you put on that old record, blues will take good care of you. Well, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. That was the Root Doctor with blues uh, music to wrap things up. Before that, uh, Monty Python in the comedy spotlight is kind of a send-up to my guest this last hour, John Clayton, author of Parkinson's Blues. Earlier in the show, we talked with a Victoria Law, author of uh, Prison by Any Other Name. And then we talked a little bit about uh, racism with... Um, Oh, my favorite uh, Oakland County uh, politician uh, or uh, political activist. Is a live variety show. Pamela Gerald. Going to take a look at uh, the, show. And our the Notorious RBG tomorrow morning with Brendan Beery. Good night, everybody. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.